Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Rick Benjamin. Good morning. Welcome to Unite Church. If you're a visitor, you found a good church this morning. If you're a longtime faithful attender and member, thank you for being a longtime faithful attender and member of this church, for doing all you do this year and every year to keep churches going. Love you all a lot. Big thank you. Thank you for that. Big week this week, Christmas week. Welcome to December 20th. Can you believe it? I'm excited about tomorrow. I get excited about this every year. Here's why. Somebody a long, long time ago figured out tomorrow, December 21st, is the shortest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. That's right. So I looked it up. Tomorrow in Anchorage, we're going to have five hours, 27 minutes, and 47 seconds of daylight. But the very next day, which is Tuesday, December 22nd, five hours, 27 minutes, and 59 seconds of daylight. I'll take all 12 of those seconds. How about you? Because we know what it means. The day after that, 12 more seconds, and then it starts to speed up. You know how it is. In February, it's daylight like half the day already. And then we have those long, beautiful summer days of May and June and July. Oh, that's the reward for perseverance in Alaska. That's right. Honestly, what happens on Christmas Day, you know, somebody picked that day, December 25th. We don't actually know the day Jesus was born. I have to tell you that. But what happens tomorrow is a God thing. Because God created this planet and the sun, and the way the earth is tilted, and the way the seasons go. It's all God's faithfulness. So tomorrow sometime, say, thank you, God, once again, you're faithful again this year, the way you made all things, and we're headed towards longer days and beautiful sunshine. Can you say amen? (laughs) This message begins today in Philippians chapter 2. Let's just read it from the New International Version. I'll read it for us. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Those verses go from Christmas to Good Friday in just a few words. Amazing. Christmas is the part where he was made in human likeness and he became in appearance as a man. And all the way to Good Friday when he humbled himself even to die for us on the cross. That was a song. They used to sing those words in the first century. I don't know how they sang those words. Pretty serious words, aren't they? But they made those into a song of praise and worship to Jesus for what he did when he humbled himself, when he came for us from heaven to earth. That's our series and our theme for this month of December, From Heaven to Earth. I keep saying us because I'll tell you why. All this month I've been working with Reed and Mariah Anderson. We've been forming these messages and planning these services, and I'm just the messenger. So I want to stop and say, praise God for Reed and Mariah Anderson. You guys are so awesome, and you do so much all the time, and... These last few months, while Josh Tanner's been on his sabbatical, you guys have carried such a load. I love you a lot. I just want to thank you. So just say, you're welcome. That's all you got to (laughs) say. 
So today it's Rick and Reed and Mariah sharing another message in this series from heaven to earth. And yeah, we have these cool invitations. You may find them. It talks about this morning, but also this coming Friday night. Did I get that right? No, it's Thursday night. That's, that's Christmas Eve. So be here at 6 p.m. and bring your family and bring your friends. We have a lot of people come to visit on Christmas Eve, really quite a lot. It's a brief service. It won't take long. It's a candlelight service. It's very beautiful. We'll sing lots of Christmas carols. That's always great. And a brief message, I promise. So uh, take that with you and use it as an invitation card as we go today. That's part of this month as well. So today, I guess, is our Christmas Sunday, even though it's five days away from Christmas Day. The message two weeks ago was about sort of those words we saw up there, the wonder, the miracle of Jesus humbling himself and coming from heaven to earth, what Jesus gave up for you and me. We can only imagine how much he gave up to do what he did. The message last week was about God's invasion of love through Jesus and how Jesus began the growth of the kingdom of heaven on earth. In fact, Jesus was heaven on earth. He was heaven walking around. So I got a picture of God's invasion. There it is. The invasion of love. The army of one. One little baby. The beachhead was a stable in Bethlehem. That's where it all began. That was ground zero for the beginning of the future. He was the presence of the future. He was what the future looks like. And especially as he began his ministry uh, three and a half years later, excuse me, 33, 30 years later, I'll get the number right. It's here, Matthew 4. Let's go to the scripture. Matthew 4, 17, where Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That was his message. One paraphrase says, change your life. The kingdom is here. And the reason the kingdom was here was because the king was here. It was him. He was saying, it's me. I'm bringing this kingdom. Repent. Change your life. Get ready. But now watch this. A few chapters later, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, before he did all that, that was all the Jesus stuff, remember? That's how he spread that kingdom. He was taking ground. He was on the offensive. He was attacking and overpowering the devil and his kingdom. Every time he healed somebody, every time he delivered somebody, more ground. It was like a hostage rescue mission. That's what it was. But now he's saying this, you can do it too. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles, not yet, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Well, that's what he said. He's saying, you guys can say what I've been saying. Are you getting this? And look at this. As you go, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Yikes. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Those are beautiful words. Jesus told his followers, those 12 disciples, to go and say what he said, and go and do what he did. Now, we might say, well, they're special. The 12, the apostles, the disciples. Well, they were. But guess what? This is going to come down to you and me. That's where we're going here this morning. Here's the point now. Jesus sent ordinary people to proclaim and expand the kingdom of heaven on earth. And the story goes, they did it. 
they went out two by two. They came back and reported to Jesus, Master, we said what you say. And yeah, we did the stuff you do. It worked. And that was his plan. You see, he was preparing them. He did it again. Did you know that? There was another time he sent them out in a larger group. Go say what I say. Go do what I do. And they came back and said, it works. We're doing this stuff. And it made him happy. He was preparing them for the big day when they would go out once and for all into all the world. We're getting ahead. Look at this verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Simple verse. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. That was the former book. And Luke wrote this one, the book of Acts. And this verse is kind of the connector between the two. And he's saying, Theophilus, apparently that was a real guy with a strange name, but a good meaning, the name Theophilus means lover of God. So maybe we are all Theophili today. How about that? We're all lover of God. So we can read this book too. He's saying, my gospel, that was volume one, the beginning. But this book of Acts is the sequel. Volume two, the kingdom keeps going. You see the word up there? All that Jesus began to do and to teach. He didn't do it all. It was only three and a half years. He got it started, and it was a great start. But now we see what continues to happen through us, ordinary people like them and you and me. He was the presence of the future. He was heaven on earth, but then he went back to heaven. Does that mean it all stops? Not at all. It's just what he began to do and to teach. He still wants people on earth, not just in the first century, in the 21st century. He wants people on earth to see a picture of heaven. They saw a picture of heaven when he was here. And the world remembers that. Sure they do. But he wants a picture of heaven on earth today. Not only by looking back at him then and there, but by looking at us here and now. And that's the message today. It comes all the way to us. The title today is a picture of heaven on earth in us. Well, wait a minute, Rick. Jesus was Jesus. Of course he was heaven on earth. He was the perfect picture of heaven on earth. And now you're saying... Us? Yeah, that's what the Bible's saying. How? How in the world can we show the world around us a picture of heaven right here on earth? Well, one way is to say what Jesus said and to do what Jesus did. That's right. Just to tell people about Jesus and what he's done in your life. Sometimes it's a simple thing like, do you want to come to my church with me? Sometimes it's a simple question like, can I pray for you? Simple things like that. Open the door to saying the words he said and doing the great acts that he did. Sure, that's right. We can show our world about him, and in doing that, we show the kingdom of heaven on earth, and it grows on earth through us. That's right. That's how it came to you, probably. Somebody said the words that Jesus said to you, maybe as a child, maybe just recently. I don't know. Somebody did some of the Jesus stuff in your life, and you saw how real he is, and the kingdom came to you, and you entered the kingdom too. And now it comes not just in us, but through us, through our lives to other people. There's another way, too. Another way the world can see a picture of heaven on earth in us. And I want to go back to what Jesus taught. Go to John chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus said, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. More words of Jesus. Now, the one who has come from God is him. He's saying, none of you have seen the Father except me. 
Now, where is he going with this? Look at this next verse. I think it's John chapter 14. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you know one of the reasons Jesus came on Christmas was to show us the Father. Before then, he was this invisible God. He was awesome. He was holy. He was very separate. God's people had to kind of stand at a distance and worship and pray. But Jesus comes and says, I know the Father. And now what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow. Now we know what God looks like. What does God look like? Answer. He looks like who? Jesus. All that love, all that power, all that wisdom, all that compassion. That's what the Father looks like. That's what he said. He even told us to pray about it. Matthew chapter 6. Remember this? When you pray, this is how you should pray. Say it. Our Father in heaven. We can say that? Yeah, that's what he said. There was no Lord's Prayer before Jesus introduced it right there. And he told people, he's not only your God, he's not only your king, he is your father. And you can have a direct, personal, father-to-child relationship with Almighty God because of what Jesus did. Listen, it's not just that he came to die for us on the cross. He also came to show us who God is, what the Father is like, and to lead us into our relationship with him. Much like the relationship God the Son, Jesus himself, already had with God the Father. Now you and I can call him Father, and we do it all the time. And now watch this. In Matthew 12, he takes it a step further. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The story here was his natural family, you know, his mother Mary, and he had siblings, they were coming to see him, and he said, you know, the real family to me is you, my followers, my disciples. Whoever does the will of my father is my brother. Okay, this family isn't just a father with Jesus. This family is a very big family with God the Father and everyone who's a follower of Jesus as children of God and brothers and sisters. It's not just a kingdom with a king. It's also a family with a father. Are you getting this now? It's a big, giant relationship. And by the way, they say God has no grandchildren. It doesn't work that way. It's a one-generation, one-relationship kind of family. That's right. So if your parents are God's children, that's great. It doesn't make you his child either. It's a direct connection to God the Father in this giant family. One man said, this is how it is. If God is your father, I'm your brother. You didn't even know it, but you got another brother, and he's me. That's the way the family of God is. That's what Jesus introduced. And look at this powerful verse from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, there it is again, from whom every family in heaven and earth and on earth derives, derives its name. Slow down, Rick. From whom every family in heaven and earth der divide, derives its name. Okay, here's what this verse is saying. The family of God is not just the family of God here on the earth. The family of God is also the family of God in heaven. It's one very big, happy family. Many of us know people in the family of God who are already there. How many know brothers and sisters who are already there in heaven? Guess what? We're all still family. It's only one family. We're all still connected. Did you know that? It's a giant family, not just from heaven to earth. It's both heaven and earth. My grandparents are there. 
My parents are there. A lot of people I love that I grew up with in this church, great couples, great saints, great servants, they're there already. But we are one. We are connected in the one family of God by the one Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in us is still in them, whether they're in heaven or here with us on earth. One big giant family. Now, the question is, how can our world in the 21st century see a picture of heaven on earth through us? Okay, here's some of the ways. One is through our own natural family. I'm going to tell you now that one way we can show this world heaven on earth is through our home, our family, our relationships, our children, and so on. Here's one way we see it in Ephesians chapter 5. I must be excited I'm talking too fast. I'm always kind of a fast talker anyway, but today I think I'm excited about where we're going here today. Okay, Ephesians 5. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Every Christian wife knows verse 24. Every Christian husband knows verse 25. Oh, yeah. And then he sums it up, verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. This is New Testament teaching for Christians about Christian marriage. And do you see what he's saying there? Like Christ and the church, like the church and Christ. That's the model. I'm supposed to love my wife, Dolores, like Jesus loved all of us and gave himself for me and for all of us. That's all. <laughs> That's the highest standard there can be. Wow. A Christian marriage is supposed to look like the unity and relationship between Christ and the church. In other words, a Christian marriage can be a little picture of heaven on earth. Wow. In a way, this principle applies to all of us. If you're a Christian single adult, you're a family. You are. It counts. You're a family of one in the family of God. Yes, you are. Christian children, extended families, this principle applies to all of us. Our natural family in this world can show the world around us a picture of heaven on earth. That's a pretty high calling for all of us. Married, single, parents, grandparents, all the rest. And now everybody in this room just had the exact same thought. My family doesn't always look like that. Maybe even this morning on the way to church, <laughs> it wasn't very much like heaven on earth. <laughs> so I want to say some words of grace. What about when our marriages and our homes and our children and our families don't look like heaven on earth? Are we just big failures and we feel condemned? No. Dolores is online today. I love you. You're awesome. And we talked about this part of this message before today. Okay, Dolores and I have been married 42 years. We love each other powerfully. Amen. Our foundation is strong. We're committed to Jesus and each other through it all. But there are days, like this is the way Dolores puts it. She'll say to me, I'm not ha having very many love feelings for you right now. <laughs> Sometimes you look at your kids and you say, I love you, but I'm not sure I like you right now. <gasps> okay. I'm just trying to be real with you people, okay? Every day as a Christian husband, do I ever even achieve that awesome aspiration of loving her like Christ loved the church? Wow. I want to. I've fallen short. Okay, 
None of us has a perfect marriage or a perfect family or perfect children. It doesn't exist anywhere in this world, not even in the body of Christ. Just listen to it. It's true. In a way, more or less, all of us live in a dysfunctional family. Wow. But my wife and I and our adult children, we've been through a lot over the years. We still love each other. We're still in relationship with each other. We are committed to get through this and come out the other side together. Are you hearing me? That's what heaven looks like too. Because heaven just isn't about perfection. Heaven's also about grace and forgiveness and relationship and reconciliation. We don't get divorced. We don't say stupid things like, I don't have a son anymore. That's just not happening here. Are you understanding this? When we do fall short, in your family, in mine, then we respond in humility and grace, and we seek reconciliation, and we make it work, and we stay together and go forward. And that's a picture of heaven on earth too, because that's not how the world around us does this. You know it as well as I do. Families split, marriages fall apart when it gets tough. Okay, so... I'm saying a word of grace to you now for all of us who are very aware that maybe your, your house is not a little slice of heaven every day. Okay, <laughs> that's just how it is for all of us, all right? But we can show heaven the other way when we fall short, when we sin, when we have weakness, when there's trouble. We stay committed, we love each other, we work it out, we resolve it the way Jesus taught us, and that shows the world something too. That's different. I see something there. These people hang in there in love. I want to know more about that. Okay. And I want to apply all of this also to the spiritual family of God. We're talking about our natural families and children and all the rest, but it applies to the spiritual family of God that we call the church. So read this in John 17. It's Jesus' prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. That was the 12, the original disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I am them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. All of us are in that prayer. He prayed for all of us who ever would believe in the word that those guys started back in the first century and that word is gone link by link on that long, unbroken chain through all the centuries to us. He's praying for us. He's praying for you and me. What is he praying for? Unity between all of us. What kind of unity are you praying for, Jesus? No less than this, the unity between God the Father and God the Son. Again, there couldn't be a higher standard. And that's what he prayed for. And we got to believe if Jesus prayed for it, it must be the will of God. And we got to believe if Jesus prayed for it, it's going to happen. Wow. The Christ, a Christian church, even one church like ours right here, is supposed to look like the unity and relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Like heaven on earth. And Jesus said in John 13, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That's what he said. In the prayer, he said, I want the world to see this. I want the world to look over in the church and say, look at them. They love each other. They're in unity. They remind us of him. They remind us of Jesus, the master, the one who sent them. 
Yes, the church, even Unite Church, we're supposed to present a picture of heaven on earth to Anchorage, Alaska, around us all the time. That's right. For 60 plus years, we've been here trying to show that picture of heaven on earth. And again, the same thought pops into your mind. I remember days in our church's life that weren't all that heavenly. <laughs> yes, there's been a few. I've been through virtually every one of them. It's amazing, isn't it? Churches go through life and times and seasons and hard times and challenges, and God takes care of churches by his word, by his Holy Spirit. I could tell you about some terrible times that we've gone through in this church, and I kind of hope the world isn't watching that day because we're not doing so well that day, showing them a picture of heaven. So what do we do when we fall short and we get mean to each other or we have splits or, or we have unforgiven sin and broken relationships in the church? What do we do? Same answer, grace. We stay committed. We say to ourselves, God put me in this church. I'm here. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to work this out. We're going to resolve these things. We're going to love each other. We're going to forgive each other. We're going to reconcile and stay in relationship and go forward together. And we've done that too in this church over and over again. Thank God, by his grace. And that shows the world something else too. These people really mean it. They even love each other when they don't like each other. That's right. God help us to show that part of heaven on earth too in this church. Jesus, let this church show Anchorage a little bit of what heaven looks like and what you look like. That's our prayer. Okay, I have a picture for you today for all of this, for what I'm trying to say, what we're trying to say. It's a picture a man of God gave me a long time ago. By the way, he's a pastor who's now part of the great family that's in heaven. Pastor Jack Bacher once said to me, a church is like an embassy of another country, another kingdom. Welcome to Unite Embassy. An embassy of another country, of another kingdom. It's a friendly kingdom, but it's different. So I looked into this. We don't have any embassies in Anchorage, Alaska, um, because most of them were put in... National capitals. I got a picture of some of them in Washington, D.C., our country's capital. So there's, I think, three embassies must be in the same building. See the flags? One of them's France, right? The one in the middle? I don't know the other ones. Maybe that's the European Union over there, the one with the stars. Those are embassies. What is an embassy? Leave that picture there for a minute. An embassy is the place where the ambassador lives. That's one thing it is. So the ambassador of France lives in that building in Washington, D.C. The embassy is also the mission sent by one country to another. So that ambassador and those people that work in that building, they've been sent by France and the other countries to represent. Represent. We're called to represent. I like that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, there's a question. Are embassies like those ones there sovereign little pieces of the home country? The answer is yes. That's why the flags are flying there. It's a little slice of France. It's a little slice of Belgium and all the other ones, Japan and all the rest. American embassies are considered United States soil, wherever they are in all the world, and typically placed in the capital city of that hosting country. And listen to this. The host country cannot come in without permission. It's like a national boundary at the front door. If you come into our embassy, you're coming into our country. 
and hopefully the welcome mat is out. Well, we'll see. Embassies report directly back to the sending country. Their boss doesn't live here. Their boss is back home in the kingdom. Are you getting this? And they report back to the king and the home country about what's going on. Now, having an embassy in a country, if you're visiting that country, is kind of a cool thing. Who has ever visited the U.S. embassy in another country for any reason? Okay. You go there because you got stuff you got to work out. You got to get a visa. You got to arrange travel stuff. But when you go in the embassy, guess what? It feels like, oh, this kind of feels a little bit like home. The flag is out there. The stars and stripes. That's right. I'm from there. That's my flag. And when you get in the embassy, guess what language they're talking? Your language. Sometimes in a foreign country, it's kind of nice to hear good old English, you know? So the embassy makes you feel closer to home. You see the flag and all the rest. Little reminders of home. Picture of the president's hanging on the wall somewhere. Okay. But one more thing about the embassy. You don't get to move in and live there. Well, unless you're the ambassador. We're going to work on that in a minute. But you go to the embassy, you visit, and then you do what? You go back out again into the host country. All right. Do you see it? Do you see what the man said to me? The church is like an embassy. He was right. We are like an embassy. We represent another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. There's a king, by the way. The kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. Newsflash. <laughs> Jesus doesn't get elected, doesn't seek re-election. He's always on the throne, only one. He's the king. And by the way, the best way to rule, turns out, is just like that, a benevolent, loving dictator. That's our Jesus. Because <laughs> sometimes government by the people goes crooked. It just plain happens. That's true. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> we have a king. The Bible says we are citizens. That's the word. Citizens not of this country here. We're citizens of heaven, Philippians chapter 3. And it's a friendly kingdom. We come in peace. Our king sent us. He did, actually. I can show it to you in the Bible. We're sent here by the king. The welcome mat is out. You can cross our boundary and come visit us in this little slice of heaven we call a church. That's right. We hope you do. And by the way, because we're kingdom citizens, when we come to church, it should feel like a little bit of home. You come to church. Okay, for the last 11 years, I've worked what we call a secular job. Tomorrow, I go back to work again. I've learned to appreciate coming to church on Sunday. I used to do it all the time because I worked here and got paid to be here. Now, I'm like most of you, where coming to church is like a little bit of a refuge, a little bit of a place to kind of relax and be with my people and be in the kingdom. And then in a little, little while, we're going to leave the embassy, and I will too, along with all of you, and go back out into this world all around us and I'll go to work tomorrow. Maybe you will too. And we'll be praying. Okay, Lord, Sunday was great. Let's go. Help me represent. Amen. I am excited about this. You don't get to live in the church. We don't have sleeping bags here and, you know, places for you to sleep. All. No, no. Maybe you want to, but that's not the calling. The calling is we come to the embassy. We call a local church. We get edified. We worship God, we see each other, we pray, we get fed the Bible, and then we go back, out. Because, of course, you're thinking about this verse too, aren't you? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Oh, more pictures. More, there's the verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're all the ambassadors. We just don't get to live at the embassy. That's the difference. That's right. Because we're ambassadors out into the kingdom around us, the country around us, the world around us. And I had some more pictures, didn't I? You want to show those two? They're embassy pictures. A famous one in 2020. That's Jerusalem, the embassy that the U.S. moved to the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. And look at that. Welcome to Jerusalem, U.S. Embassy. I think it's great, too. But I wonder if Anchorage says, all these Christian churches in Anchorage, welcome to Anchorage. You're a great embassy. You represent your king. We're glad you're here in our city. I hope so. I hope it's the same way. And we report back to the king, right? He sent us. We're accountable to him. And we talk to him about things that are important. How do we do that? By prayer. That's all. Instant communication with God the Father without any mediator in between at the speed of light, probably faster. We can talk to him anytime. Hallelujah. We report back to him. Yeah, in a few minutes, it's like he's going to send us out again. Many churches have a sign over their door on the exit. You know what I'm talking about now? The sign says, you are now entering the mission field. Okay, you can call it that. How about you're going back out into the world as Christ's ambassador, like it said up there in that verse. And we'll all go and do it again. You say, Rick, what kind of a Christmas message is this? Maybe you're thinking that too. I don't know. This is supposed to be Christmas Sunday. Is this a Christmas message? I think it is in a way. Think about it this way. How do you celebrate Christmas? Does that show a little slice of heaven? Or do you celebrate Christmas kind of like everybody else does? There should be a difference. If anybody should celebrate Christmas in a different way, it should be us, Christians, because we know what Christmas is all about, Jesus. When I grew up, I remember two things that we did that were, at the time, as a kid, I didn't appreciate them so much. Now I look back and I'm very grateful. There was a couple ways when I was growing up we did Christmas a little different. One was we had this little nativity set, you know, a little wooden stable, little figures, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, little camel, you know, because you had the little wise men, all of that. It was cool. And for a while, I think we thought Christmas trees were not good. Is that right? Do you remember that, Dick Struss? Did we have a period? We thought Christmas trees were kind of pagan or something. Not all of, all of us. So for a while at my house, we didn't have a Christmas tree. So we had this little manger scene, little nativity set, and put our presents all around that. It's kind of cool. Later on, we got over the Christmas tree thing, and we had one ever since. <laughs> we still have that little nativity set. My grandson, Tucker, is nine years old. He calls it the Jesus house. And he loves for us to get that thing out and set it up every year. When he was younger, he would, you know, put the camels and shepherds and then a couple of Hot Wheel cars and other things, you know, that he wanted to be in there. I thought, why not? They can worship Jesus too, you know, that's all right. And the other thing we always used to do that was a little different, as a kid, I really didn't like this. On Christmas morning, my father, who was a pastor, would insist that he read the Christmas story from the Bible before we opened our gifts. So as a kid, I'm sitting there very impatient, like, hurry up. <laughs> I know the story, but he would do it with a Bible. Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, you know. I knew when he got there we were close, you know. <laughs> but now I look back and I think, I really appreciate that. 
Kind of miss that, really. Beautiful. Because we're Christians, and we do things different in this kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's just an idea. Those are suggestions. Think about it. You've got five days to think about this Christmas. How can you do Christmas at your house like we do in this kingdom of ours? And also, of course, remember people who don't have a family or a house. And in 2020, it's hard, but there might be ways you could reach out and give and show love and mercy to people that don't have all that we have. We're so blessed. Just keep thinking about that. This message applies at Christmas time, of course, and all the time. He sent us out. He began something. He empowered us to say what he said and do what he did. Ordinary people like you and me. It's kept going generation by generation all through church history, all the way down to us. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is near. It's in us. And now it's our turn to continue what Jesus began to do and teach in our marriages, in our families, in our homes, in our churches, in this church. We can be like a little outpost or a consulate or an embassy of heaven. And people can see him and see heaven on earth, a picture of heaven on earth in us. This Friday, Christmas Day, the world remembers when Jesus came from heaven to earth. By the way, Christians love that. That's right. Once a year, we know what you're thinking about. We know you know what this is really all about. <laughs> Our King, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. This Christmas, this year, coming into a new year, 2021, again, let's commit our lives, our marriages, our families, our children, our grandchildren, our church, for today and the new year to be by his grace, only by his grace, a picture of heaven on earth in us. Bring your family and friends to Christmas Eve here. Take the invitation. We'll worship Jesus together on Christmas Eve and think about him again. I'm just going to pray a, a benediction, a blessing on all of you and all of us. Then we're going to close. Would you please stand? There'll be people here at the front. We call them prayer teams. They're qualified people. They're people of character, spiritual gifts. Any needs you have today, don't leave with your need. Come here and we'll pray for you and let God take your need away. And you can maybe be better than you came going back out into this world of ours. Whatever it is, healing, encouragement, prayer for somebody else, something you're worried about, come and pray. Let us pray with you and for you. And then be here next Sunday again to hear more about heaven on earth and how it can be in the new year, 2021. Merry Christmas to all of you. Have a great week. Have a great time with your family. Be blessed. Enjoy it all. Have lots of joy. Let's pray. I'll pray for you now. And then we'll sing a song of worship to him. Just close your eyes and we'll pray together. Thank you. Father in heaven, I thank you that we can say those words. Father, our Father who art in heaven, thank you that Jesus came. Thank you that he showed you, Father, to all of us. And now we know what you look like and who you are. And now we can have that direct relationship with you as your sons and daughters a direct personal relationship. We can speak to you and know that you hear us. We have that privilege. We can come to your presence. Thank you, God, even that we can pray right now. Thank you for what Jesus did and what he started on earth. Thank you for the responsibility to include us in that great mission to spread your kingdom wherever we go. Lord, help us to do it. 
we sang that song about sending us out to people in our world with your love in our hearts. Send us out today with more of your love for people around us. Help us to see people the way you see people. Maybe see them almost for the first time. And then help us to say what you said and do what you did. To reach out in love. To ask if we can pray. To invite somebody to church. Just give us those simple ways to pass it on to other people in our lives. God bless our marriages. God bless our families. God bless all of our children and grandchildren. Pour out your grace on all of our families and our homes. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let us be more and more like you to show the world how wonderful you are. And give us grace and help us when we fall short. Help us to hang in there and love each other and forgive each other and stay in relationship and show the world heaven on earth. And God, I pray for your blessing on Unite Church. Pour out your grace on us. Pour out your spirit on us. We want to show Anchorage, Alaska, how beautiful and wonderful Jesus is. Help us to do that, God, in the way we love each other and the way that we love you. Bless this church and thank you for your faithfulness all, your, all these years. We trust you. We love you. Bless all these families this week on Christmas. Let it be a time of joy and giving and love and most of all, worship to you. Because Jesus, you did it. You came from heaven to earth and we're forever grateful. And we worship you now and sing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.